All right, let's check in with Vaughn Palmer for the Vancouver Sun this morning because the Premier had the first kind of big news conference of the year yesterday. Want to find out what happened there. Good morning, Vaughn. And good morning, Simi. And yes, uh, the first major David Eby news conference of the year and the advance notice said it was going to be about cancer and there was a tech briefing scheduled before the news conference. So um, I think it was fair to assume this was going to address what the Premier said in a number of year-end interviews, that the wait times for cancer treatment in B.C., are unacceptable. However, that is not what the press conference was about. There was a major announcement about a particular type of cancer care. Uh, The BC government for the first province in Canada is offering a home testing kit for cervical cancer. That's significant. It will help uh, people, particularly in rural remote areas, people who don't have family doctors to refer them to it, uh, people who are reluctant uh, to get the pap test. And the good thing about it, Simi, is that this home testing kit is proven to be more effective at detecting the most virulent form of uh, cervical cancer. Um, So all that's to the good. Still, you know, there were questions to the Premier. Um, What about the unacceptable wait times for cancer care in British Columbia? Because after all, he was the one who said that was the case. Right. Okay. So you're right. This The cervical cancer announcement is actually very significant. BC is the first province to be doing this right across the country. And we're going to talk more about it uh, later this morning, about what it means and how it's going to work. And it is a very big deal. But you're yeah. right. And, and then what know, people want to hear about is how are we fixing the yeah. system? Yeah, I'm glad you're going to be doing something a little later on, because I thought that the, the two best questions about the announcement were both asked by reporters who said, said, how is this actually going to work for people who don't have a family doctor? Because you do the home testing, all right, that's good. Uh, Who will be in charge of telling you to get tested at home and reminding you to do it on a regular schedule? I mean, your family doctor will do that, but if you don't have one. And then, of course, what if the test results come back and they come back in the mail and say uh, you should deal with this? Uh, How do the referrals work? So there are answers to that. Yep, there are. But I think, you know, for people out there who are going, okay, how is this going to work? Uh, all that is important. I'm glad you yep. got somebody on yep. to talk about it because uh, so cancer quickly... doctors are better at it explaining this than me. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but the, the quick answer of that is this system is actually designed for people who do not have a family doctor. Yes. So yeah. that's the benefit of it. So we'll talk about that later. We're actually going to speak to the health minister as well later. But let's talk about the wait times for cancer care because there was there any update on that? Uh, no. And in fact... Uh, when they got asked about it, they gave us answers that we're very familiar with. They they pointed to last year's cancer care program, which was announced last year. It's very ambitious. Uh, it's got all kinds of elements in it. But, you know, uh, we also know that it's almost a year old now. And the premier himself said it still wasn't adequate to deal with the problem. So, You know, we heard about different responses, recruiting doctors, uh, sending some people south of the border for treatment. Uh, The health minister pointing out that we've added something like more than 300,000 people have been added to the medical services plan in the last two years. So we're familiar with all of that. But, you know, as I said, 
the premier is the one who said the wait times are unacceptable and the plan so far has not addressed that. Uh, I think we're going to have to wait to see more detail in response to that. But he's the one who put it on the radar screen for reporters to ask questions. And the answers yesterday didn't really advance the story at all. Right. Okay. There were some interesting aspects to this press conference, though. There was something unusual about this press conference, and that was the presence of Dr. Kaylee Lynch, who is uh, the spouse of Premier David Eby. And what was she doing there? I mean, she's a family doctor, yes. Uh, Eby started us off with a lame joke about how he and his wife had decided to spend more time together, and the press conference gave them a way of doing it away from the kids. But I think he recognized it was unusual just with a joke. And she provided an update on the pregnancy, and it's going very well, and that's good to know. But, you know, the, the real reason that I... As I said, it's very unusual for the spouses of BC politicians to share the platform on any basis. Uh, E.B. said, well, Dr. Lynch is there to communicate her own personal experience dealing with patients on cervical cancer and why this new testing will help them. Fair enough. Doesn't really explain why some other family doctor wasn't asked to be there. And there are many of them, I expect, who know that. Uh, But I just note that, you know, Simi, the reason why spouses of politicians don't share the public platform in B.C., and a good example was Ellie, uh, the wife of John Horgan, who you rarely saw in public, uh, is because in return, the news media in this country don't write about the spouses of politicians, don't try to interview them, don't ask them questions. As far as I know, no one, for example, has gone to ask Dr. Lynch what she did with the enhanced uh, financial assistance for family doctors from her husband's government last year, because I think it's generally seen as families are not fair game for this sort of thing. I think that's a good thing. It is. I assume that uh, the Premier and Dr. Lynch were aware of that history and nevertheless decided to go ahead yesterday. No one disputes her credentials as a family doctor. Uh, No one disputes that she has insights. I guess the only question is, why not ask some other family doctor to do it so you don't politicize your own spouse? All right, we're talking with Vaughn Palmer this morning about some comments that the Premier made. And I've been waiting for this, Vaughn. I wanted to hear what Premier E.B. would have to say about that B.C. Supreme Court decision. Yeah, the general rule when the Premier calls a press conference is the first few news uh, question reporters deal with the topic, which was cancer. But they also leave time if the Premier hasn't, especially if the Premier hasn't done anything for uh, news conferences for a while that you near the end, you get to ask about other stuff. So yes, the premier got asked about a reaction uh, to the court decision almost two weeks ago. Now BC Supreme court issued an injunction against the BC government law that attempts to restrict open drug use in public places. And there's a lot of details in it, but the court basically said that the attempt, those attempts Uh, would trample the constitutional rights of drug takers. Uh, The judge said it doesn't mean they could take it anywhere they want, but in effect, I have to say, with all due respect, that's what the judgment says at the moment. So the premier gets asked, he thanked the reporter for the question. You knew 
Uh, he knew it was coming, and his reaction was pretty strong for a premier dealing with a court decision, especially a premier who's also a lawyer. He said the decision was profoundly concerning that the province has trouble accepting that it cannot restrict open use of hard drugs the way it already restricts smoking and alcohol consumption in public. So uh, I think a lot of people have said that, but the premier saying it is takes it to another level. So what's he going to do about it? He says that the attorney general, Nikki Sharma, and her team of lawyers in her ministry are looking at options. Well, that tells me what we've been hearing through the grapevine, Simi, is that the government is really troubled by the decision, but hadn't figured out what to do about it because, first of all, it's a decision by the Chief Justice of BC Supreme Court. And second, it's very broad. It says it's a constitutional rights ruling. And it says that the government's options for protecting the rights of drug users to take drugs are not good enough because the province doesn't have enough places uh, for safe injection. Uh, those places don't operate 24-7. Not all of them even deal with all the different types of drug use. So, you know, the premier's answer was, we're studying it. Um, I have to say that they are really struggling with this one, Simi. They, they really haven't figured out yet what to do about it. I guess part of the complications here is that it wasn't really law yet, was it? It was in the process of becoming law. Yeah, that's an interesting point about it. So the government passed the legislation last fall, but as often happens with legislation, there are parts of it that you don't know exactly how it will be applied because regulations passed by the cabinet are coming later. And it also had what's called a proclamation clause, which means the law doesn't take effect until the cabinet signs an order saying it takes effect. Well, none of that had happened. And in fact, the government's challenge, the government's defense of the law and its argument against the injunction was, you know, hey, this thing isn't even law yet. Like, why would you issue an injunction against something that is still theoretical, particularly since you don't have the regulations? Well, the Chief Justice did not accept that argument. He said the, the implications of this law are so far-reaching that they affect the constitutional rights of drug takers, and they also affect the constitutional rights of the nurses and medical practitioners who deal directly with drug takers, and that's the people in the Harm Reduction Nurses Association, which won the court case. So... Um, all of that is laid out there. Uh, the government could, Simi, uh, proclaim the law, bring in a bunch of regulations that try to address the decision by the courts and proceed to a full-blown defense of the law in the courts. And that might be the best option, although I don't know what they're going to do. You know, the trouble with that is, is uh, defending your law in court can take a long time particularly if the court decides in the interim to continue the injunction. The injunction expires March 31st, but if the government is going to go ahead with the law and fight to defend it, yeah, it could take years, right? So that isn't a great option, but neither is an appeal. Uh, you know, they could appeal the injunction, but again, 
the, the rumblings from the legal community is very rare to challenge a court injunction in this way, particularly one that has an expiry date. So I go back to saying uh, the New Democrats are, were caught by surprise by this ruling. They're very unhappy with it. They're very concerned, Simi, that it means that the problem of open drug use will continue. And in the back of their minds, they're concerned that because of the long effort needed to challenge a ruling like this in the long run, uh, that problem may continue for some time. You know, I know, we've heard it from all kinds of mayors and counselors. They just think this whole thing is totally, the, the court is totally out of touch with the public and the public concern. But, you know, the court has spoken yeah. and it is not clear how to get beyond this. And I think that's why it's taking the government so long to come up with an answer. So theoretically, they could just let the injunction expire and tweak the law. Yes, they could. Uh, they could. Yes, they could uh, bring in regulations uh, and say, uh, look, we are trying very, very hard to provide enough safe injection sites in the province. Uh, we've already got 47 of them. Okay, we can expand their operating hours. Yes, we could create more of them. But yeah, that's going to take time. And look, there's a practical problem with that too. There are communities in the province that don't want and neighborhoods in the province that do not want to be next to a safe injection site because they can be a recipe for chaos and an open-air drug market as well. Not everywhere, but some of them are. So, you know, this is a real, real problem for the, the whole province, really, because as we talked earlier this week, we're coming up on the first anniversary of decriminalization. I will just say that if this court decision stands public support for decriminalization will continue to erode because people won't stand for this open drug use happening anywhere in their community. Uh, the court says you can't tell drug users they can't take heroin within 50 meters of a playground or six meters of a bus stop. I just think that is totally at odds with public opinion. And, uh, you know, yeah. the Constitution says what it says, and the judges said what the Constitution says. But this is a real political dilemma for the yeah. government, which supports decriminalization in the face of the backlash against it. It does feel like a tipping point. All right, Vaughn, thank you for that. Bye-bye, Simi. That is Vaughn Palmer there from the Vancouver Sun. If you want to weigh in, Simi at cknw.com.